I feel the Lord had a message for me to give to you. As we finish out the year and start the new year, the message is be strong in the Lord. Be brave. Be courageous. In order to be strong, you have to eat right. You have to exercise. This time of year is easy to just eat. <laughs> no exercise. <laughs> you get pudgy, <laughs> fat cat. <laughs> but they, we have to balance things. And the exercise is prayer. If I only pray in emergency, my prayer is not very strong. If I put my arm in a sling and never use it for six months, an emergency comes up, and I have to pick up a pail of water to put out the fiery darts of the evil one, my arm's not going to be very strong. But if I pray and exercise every day, my arm's going to be strong. So we can't just sit and listen to Mike's word and read once in a while. We have to read daily in the Bible and exercise daily. Be strong in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. You have to know that Jim is not a man of many words. So if Jim will come up and do this, you know that that's a word from God. You have to realize that because that's exactly what I'm preaching about today. It is exactly what I'm preaching about today, and that is maintaining the gift. And it's exactly what it's right on, Jim. It's, that's perfect. Thank you for, for being willing and being obedient to hear the voice of the Lord and for sharing that with us. But that's exactly what I want to talk about today. We're, we're, this is the Christmas season. Christmas is over for most of us. The gifts have been unwrapped. The excitement of Christmas morning is over. Now, I know that we all have a certain level of excitement, especially younger kids. Can you remember when you were young? Can you remember the excitement of Christmas Day, of it coming up and counting the days down, beginning probably in September, <laughs> beginning in, in, after Thanksgiving? You know, when we didn't have a lot of real routine traditions in our life. We were, I mean, it was, we were... It was, it was always Christmas, but we didn't have really a lot of regimen and a lot of routine, which is okay. But, you know, it seemed like when the Christmas tree went up, Christmas was on the way. As soon as the tree went up, we kind of knew that it was happening. And that was always an excitement in us and as a kid growing up. I can remember that. I can remember when the first, tree, the first presents were put under the tree. I can remember that level of excitement. And I would always... And Barney and I, and I've got to be real careful. I have so much family here, I can't lie today. Because they know if I'm not telling the truth. So, um, but I can remember when the first presents would come up, we'd always have to sneak in and see who was it for. Was it for Sandy or Sue? Or Barney? Or was it for me? And I can remember looking at that. Then I can remember, thinking, if it was for me, I can remember looking at it and thinking, what is it? What? Oh, yeah. You shake it. You do all that stuff. You squeeze it. You shake it. I never got to the point where I ever opened one. Barney did. <laughs> Didn't you, Barney? Oh, Sue did. All right, it was Sue, that's right. But it was always exciting. Then when Christmas Day came, it seemed like it went so fast. 
that it would just come and before long it was over. The presents were open, the tree was empty, and then we just had the toys. And we had all the things that we had. And we never wanted to get clothes. We always wanted to get toys. Toys were so much more fun to get. But even after we had the toy, the whole point of the message today is what do you do with it when it's over with? What do you do with the gift? See, as a Christian, Christmas is more than just opening presents. Christmas is receiving the gift of Christ. We talked about it last Sunday. It was kind of an unusual service last Sunday because we read the, story, the Christmas story backwards. We read it from, from, we read the end and then we got to the beginning. We read the new, the new heavens and a new earth coming down um, and, and, and heaven being established on earth and then all the way back through the, through the life of Christ, through the crucifixion, and then we ended at the beginning, which is the way God ends. He starts at the end and then works to the beginning. And then the process of life is where we're all at right now. We're all in the middle of that process. And when we're in the middle of that process is where we're allowing God to work. And as we allow him to work in our life, he will allow the things to happen to us that will put us and position us where he wants us at the end. Because he has the ability to see it that way. So now we're in this Christmas process. We've opened the gift. And Jesus is the gift of Christmas. He's the gift that heaven gave to all mankind. And we talked about that, about how, how there must have been some turmoil in heaven. There must have been a little sadness in heaven when Jesus left because he will never be the same. He gave, him life, he gave his life as the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate gift on Christmas Day. Now, the question is to us, what are you doing with that gift? What are you personally doing with the gift of Jesus? Now, this is, gonna, this is going to uh, minister to all of us today because if you've never received the gift of Christ, then the answer to the question is, what have you done with it? What are you going to do with it? If you've received the gift of Christ and you're a Christian, then the question is, how are you maintaining the gift of Christ? How are you exercising, like Jim was talking about? What are you doing to exercise and maintain that gift? All things in life need maintenance. Everything needs maintenance. I can't think of one thing that doesn't need either to be maintained or refilled. Your car, your boat, your home, your computer... Everything needs to be maintained somehow, some way. And if I want to make that productive, and if I want to keep that effective, I have to maintain it. Now, what about relationships? Do relationships need to be maintained? Can you have a, a, a relationship with someone and not maintain that relationship? If you're to be friends with somebody, you have to spend time becoming a friend to somebody. Now, I can have a whole lot of friends. You know, Facebook, you can have hundreds of friends. But have you ever really developed a relationship off, off Facebook? Now, you've talked. And you probably have that Facebook relationship be, probably because you first had a physical relationship. There's probably not many people that you talk to regularly on Facebook that you don't know personally. 
That's the same thing with Christ. You really can't have a relationship with Christ until you first know him personally. And that means that when you get the gift, when you've received the gift on Christmas Day, you had to unopen that gift. And you had to receive that gift. In Canada, they call it Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. Because that's when everybody brings their gifts back. (laughs) That's when you don't like the gift and everybody goes back and brings it back and they call it Boxing Day. Now, let me ask the question. Have you given the gift back? Or have you received the gift of Christmas? That's a very personal question. But it needs to be answered. And you need to ask yourself, what is my relationship with Christ? What is it? Have I opened it? Have I received it? Do I maintain it? How do we maintain that relationship with Christ? You know, sometimes we talk a lot in church about all the things we should do, but we never get down to figuring out how we do it. So let's talk a little bit about how we do it. First of all, everybody comes to Christ the same way. I don't care who you are. I don't care what family you belong to. I don't don't care how much money you have. I don't care how old you are or what um, race you are or what gender you are. You are given the same question. You have to determine in your life, what are you doing with this Christ gift? What are you doing with it? No one is exempt from the question. It doesn't make any difference who you are. Paul talked about the knowledge of Christ in the manger, and this is where this is where sometimes we get delusional with this gift. Because in Romans chapter one, Paul is very clear, and he talks about how we. Um, how we suppress the gift through our godlessness and our wickedness. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, they, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature They have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that all men are without excuse. I want to to position it today that we all are without excuse. No one is exempt from this question. No one is exempt from this thought process. I'm not. The oldest man or the oldest woman here is not. The youngest child here is not. Everyone is covered through this question. There are no excuses. And God is very clear about in this verse that he's upset with it. And his wrath comes against those that that are covering up, that are suppressing the truth by their wickedness. Let's go on. He says in 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images 
made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, I don't want people to think that this is a, um, a depressing message, but it's a message that um, I just had to say today. It just was burning in my heart, and I really couldn't get away from it, even though I really wanted to talk about a more upbeat Christmas message. But this is the message of Christmas, is that we have a gift. Now, is it just enough for us to believe and know that there is a God? Is it just enough to know that Jesus came as a baby? Is it just enough? James 2.19 says, he's talking about us believing, and he says, you believe that there is one God, good, he said, and with, with a big exclamation mark, good, I'm glad you do. But even the demons believe that and shudder. So it's not just enough that we believe in the Christmas story. It's not just enough that we see the manger scene up here and we see this little baby up here and we just say, well, that's Jesus. And he came to the earth with the purpose of making Christmas Day. And we just make it that shallow. That's not enough. Folks, we have to unwrap the gift. You have to take it down and, and peel it one layer at a time, one layer at a time, and realize that that gift was more than just a baby that came in a manger. It was more. It, he lived a perfect life, and he died a perfect sacrifice for our sins. We look at this verse and we say, you know, maybe this verse isn't for us because it talked about um, that these people that Paul is talking to here in Romans, he said that they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man. Basically, they were making idols. Now, how many of you have an idol in your house? Anybody have an idol? Anybody bow down this morning to an idol before you came to church? A reptile? You know, anybody bow down to a snake? Anybody bow down to a golden calf this morning? So we just take this verse and we throw it out. But let me ask you, have you bowed down to your pleasures? Have you bowed down to your wealth? Have you bowed down to your um, career? Have you bowed down to your relationships with other people? See, we are just as much of an idol-worshiping generation as the generations that made idols. It's just that our idols are much more subtle and we don't recognize them as idols. We recognize them as the American dream, the way to get ahead, that everybody is due. Everybody is due the bigger, cow, the, the bigger house. Everybody is due the new car. Everybody is due all the pleasures that we want, the vacations. And believe me, I'm not bad talking them. So don't get me wrong here. We can enjoy those things, and we can, we can um, work hard for those things, but do they become your idol? Do they become the thing that you place before God? If they do, then they're no different than a golden calf. They're no different than what Moses had to come down and grind up and destroy at the base of the mountain when he came down after spending time with God because the Israelites had made a golden calf. And what did Moses do with that calf? Did he just throw it away? No, he ground it up into dust and he made them drink it because he wanted to destroy it. 
just like our lives, people, we, if you have something in your life that is more motivational for you than exercising and maintaining the gift of God, more motivational for you than praying, more motivational than reading the Bible, then you better examine what that is. I'm not saying you have to be perfect because nobody's perfect here. All I'm trying to do is get you to challenge and question your priorities. I have to go through the same thing. I'm no different than you are. But if I have to um, work and if I have to um, sacrifice my time to pray, then do it. Then I do it. Then you should do it. Because that's taking that idol and it's grinding it up. And that's just grinding it up. And it's putting it where it's supposed to be and that's destroying it. So we have idols in our, in our life today. We have those, those things that um, are, are pressing in us that are taking us away from God. And it's up to you to take care of your idol. See, the, the, the Israelites, they had the benefit because they had Moses to do it for them. We don't have Moses today. It's ourself. We have to deal with it ourselves. And that's the whole challenge of living in a free nation. In freedom. Freedom is a good thing, but freedom puts a lot of responsibility on us. It puts a lot of responsibility on you. It puts a lot on me because I'm free to do what I want to do. But if I choose not to do that, Paul talks to Timothy and he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, but mark this. When, when Paul said, but mark this, this must be important. So mark it. Listen to this. This is what Paul said to Timothy. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does everybody want to get up and walk out now? That's pretty bad. I'm sorry I had to read all that. But I, re I read it for this purpose right here. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. We all have that form of godliness. I know what to say at the right time with the right people to fool them. And so do you. You know how to get through church. You know how to get around the Christian people that you're around and say the right things. And fool them thinking that you're okay. I'm okay. Let's just be a nice country club. Let's just have a nice church. You know, we're a very comfortable little church right here. You know, we're, we're, we're in northern Michigan where it's safe. Not a lot of stuff happens up here besides snow. Not a lot of bad things happen up here. But yet we can become so subtle, so subtly inclined to compromise that we deny the power of God because we can say the right things around, around the right people and we can live the right way around the right people. But as soon as I get out into the world, watch out because I'm somebody else and I'm going to have all the fun I want to have around other people. That is 
You know what? I didn't finish reading the verse. But what it says here, it says, for those people that have that form of godliness but denying its power, it says, have nothing to do with them. See, the Bible is very clear about so many things, but yet we want to make it complicated. It says, when you recognize people that are that way, don't have anything to do with them. Don't compromise with them. You know, you run with the wrong crowd, you're going to be part of the wrong crowd. You're going to sooner, sooner or later, you're going to be like the wrong crowd. And the Bible talks about sexual sin. It says, run from it. It talks about alcohol. It says lots of things. It says, don't put yourself in a position of compromise. And so many times we do. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. It's time for us to wake up, people, and realize that we really are in the last days. Even though you may not be doing all the bad things described here in Timothy, because I know you're not. I know this is a good group of people, and I know for the most part we're not doing those things. But that doesn't mean we have God's power in our life. If just if we're not doing something, we still have to do the effective things. We still have to wake up to the seriousness of the days that we're living in. There's a fine line between being comfortable in the presence of God and becoming complacent in the presence of God. We were just talking about this last night. Tim and I were talking about it at our, at our house, talking about what's happening in the throne of heaven. What's happening up there right now? Right now, they're, they're, God is sitting on his throne. And there are angels around him that are crying, Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And that's all they say is holy, holy, holy is our God. And with two wings, they cover their eyes. With two wings, they cover their feet. And with two wings, they're flying and they're crying, holy is the God. Holy is our God. And that's all they say because he is that holy. See, they come to him in a sense of holiness for all eternity. We come to God in a sense of God our Father, and that's good that we do that because we're instructed to through Jesus. We're instructed to pray to God our Father through Jesus Christ, who's sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for the saints, interceding for you and I, and that's what he's doing. So we come to God through Jesus, but is there a time that we can become so complacent that we don't give God the respect that he desires, the respect that he deserves. If there are angels up there crying holy, holy, holy all the time, then shouldn't I be crying holy, holy, holy is my God? But yet we, be, we become so complacent with it. Now there's nothing wrong. I, I think that there, there is a comfort level. And the comfort level that we should have when we come to Christ is the fact that we can come to Christ. Because on the day of his crucifixion, as Jesus uttered his last words, and he says, I give up my soul, what happened? There was a great earthquake. And with that great earthquake, there was the, the, the curtain temple, which was a very strong curtain that was made out of very thick fabric that was protecting the most holy and ho the holy of holies from the outer the outer grounds or the outer courts of the temple and in that area behind that curtain the only people the only person that could go there 
but once a year, or just a very few times a year, was the, was the priest. And the priest had to sacrifice um, different sacrifices inside there, and he had to be, he had to be very holy. He had, to, he had to cleanse himself first. He had to wear um, uh, little bells on his, on his garments because when the bell stopped ringing, that was, a, uh, that was a sign to the people that he wasn't holy enough and he was struck dead. And they had a rope on his ankle. And that if the bell stopped ringing, they would pull the rope up because they pulled him out of the Holy of Holies because he wasn't holy enough to be there. He wasn't cleansed enough. That was the way that it was. When that crucifixion happened and Jesus died and he, and he gave up his life, freely gave it up for us, that curtain was torn from the top down. God himself came and he took that curtain, just like I take a piece of paper and, and just rip that and just tear it, tear it all the way down, open. And what that signifies now is that you and I can enter the most holy of holies. You and I have the right now to go into that place where before it was just one man to give sacrifices. Now you and I have the opportunity to do that. But do, but do you? Do you take up that opportunity? That's the question. What are you doing with the gift? What are you doing with Christ's life? What are you doing in your life with the sacrifice that he made ultimately for you? Because he would have done it just for you. What am I doing with it? Am I maintaining it or not? Are you maintaining it or not? So there's that fine line between being comfortable and being complacent. This is very dangerous ground to be in if you're playing the game. If you're playing the game with God of your complacency, then you are very dangerous. See, God is not one to be patronized by our shallow, ineffective worship and role-playing. Revelation 3.15 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. This is where it's important. Listen, because this is where the hard becomes, we understand it. Those whom I love, this is Christ speaking, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Why would he do that? Why would he want to make me feel bad? Why would he want to discipline me? Because if I'm going down the wrong path, and if somebody doesn't have enough guts, or somebody doesn't have enough love for me to come to me and say, Mike, straighten your life up, then what kind of a friend is that? If, if, I knew that I, if I knew that a friend was driving down a road and at the end of that road was a cliff, and if he kept driving down that road, he was going to drive off that cliff, and if I didn't stop him, what kind of a friend am I? What kind of a family member am I? So what I'm telling you people, friends, family, this is a hard message for me to give. I want you to know that. But this is something I have to say. If you're not living right, get your life right. There is no games here anymore. He said, because I love you, those whom I love, I rebuke 
What does rebuke mean? It means I come and I get in their face. It means I say, you're wrong. You're wrong. And disciplines them. Now, Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. This is the good news. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. See, if if Jesus only came with the bad news... If he only came with the hard news, he wouldn't be much of a rebuker or a disciplinarian. Discipline always comes with an outcome. And it always comes with a positive outcome. The outcome that Christ is giving us here, the out that he's giving us here, is that if you're living wrong, then repent. (laughs) Because I've got a better way for you. I've got a way out for you. And that way out is eternal life. And that is the ultimate gift. That is the ultimate gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift. Why does it say the gift in Romans? Because it's the Christmas message. It's the gift of Christ that He came for you and He came for me. For the wages of sin is death. Nobody wants to die. No, you don't. (laughs) Nobody wants to die a carnal death. Now, Dad, I know you want to go home, but there's a difference here. You're not dying, you're going home. And where you're going, we're going to be right there with you. It won't be long, and we're right there with you. I know, mine are there too. You're just a little ahead of me, maybe. I don't know. I'm saying that, but I don't know. You could be healed. You could be walking on the aisle. You could could be living that dream that Uncle Doug had the other day. So we're still not giving up on you, Dad, just so you know that. But the gift of God is eternal life when what we deserve is death. See, Galatians says that it is for our freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery again. We talk about freedom, but yet our freedom takes us down the rat hole. Our freedom takes us down the things of what we shouldn't do rather than what we should do. What we should do is accept the gift of eternal life. Accept the gift. It's just that easy. And then once you receive it, then be diligent to maintain it. To maintain it. And how do you maintain it? To, you, to, ma- to maintain this life is really as simple as what Jim Beers said earlier. Pray. Read your word. Live a righteous life. It's not that hard. We want to make it hard. We want to make it difficult. Paul says in Romans, he said that uh, because of this, God gave 
them over because of our sinful nature. He gave us over to our shameful life. But he said that, furthermore, he says, since they did not think of it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, we need to retain the knowledge. And when retain means maintain. So once we have the gift, now we need to maintain the gift. And when we maintain the gift, we're exercising our rights. We're exercising our rights in God. We're exercising our rights and our freedom by praying, by reading the word, by living a right life, by watching who we run with, what we do. We set ourselves apart. We become a peculiar people. We become a holy people. We become like God from the perspective of that we need to worship him in truth and in spirit. And that's holiness. So as we close the service today, I want to I come back and I want to ask you the question. What are you doing with the gift of Jesus? What are you doing with the gift of Jesus? Have you received it? Have you opened your life up to it? Have you opened the life of Christ in your life? Are you maintaining the gift for those that have already opened up the gift and have received it? Are you maintaining the gift? This is the last Sunday of 2009. I remember 1999. I remember it being with Scott Pytosh. And uh, Scott and I were getting ready for year 2000 thinking that that was going to be the big year. Uh, we sold a lot of computers to Ford that year, by the way. <laughs> it was a good year. Um, but yet, we, I remember, I, we remember being with Scott and thinking about the year 1999, year turning 2000. And you know, that was, it's going to be 10 years ago. And here's the thing that we thought. If the Lord doesn't come back on the year 2000. What is it going to do to all the people out there that are scoffers? What is it going to do for all the people out there that really don't believe it? They're going to say, I told you so. He's really not coming back. I told you he's not coming back. And it just strengthens the thought that they have that they have no boundaries. That they have nothing to worry about because Christ is not coming back. That was the big setup for him. And he blew it. He didn't show up. And that's the premise of the enemy because he will bring to you delusional thoughts about the fact that Christ is not coming again. Now it's 2010 coming on here. And there's been prophecies and words of uh, encouragement One thing I know, it's 10 years closer. It's 10 years closer. Is he going to come in the year 2010? Maybe. But you know what? If he doesn't, are you going to live through the year 2010? I'm strong. I'm 51 years old, strong as a bull. Why are you laughing, Uncle Dick? Of course I'm strong as a bull. But I'm 51 years old. I have a lot of life ahead of me. 
and all those that are younger than I, why would I want to think of eternity when I'm a young man and I've got strength? But you know, I'm not guaranteed one breath when I walk out this door. So we can talk about the rapture all day long and we can, we can say don't talk about it, we can poo-poo it, we can say it's, it's never going to happen. But one thing that is going to happen is people, you are going to die. And I'm not trying to scare anybody here. I'm not going down that path. I'm just trying to talk honestly and openly and I'm trying to bring a message that is honest and has integrity behind it and that has all concern behind it because I have nothing to gain by doing this besides listening to the heart that God has given me to say, listen people, it's time to stop playing the games. And I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. As we end this service, I want to ask you the question, what are you doing with the gift of Jesus? If you'd close your eyes, and if everyone would close their eyes. Because, you know, this is such a personal time. This is so personal because there's going to come a day when it's just going to be you and Jesus. It's called the Great White, Rome, Great White Throne Judgment. And it's going to be just you and Him. And He's going to look at you right in the eyes and He's going to say, What have you done? with Jesus what did you do with my gift what did you do with my life what did you do with my sacrifice did you reject it did you give it back did you make me waste it or did you receive it this is a day of receiving the gift of Christ so as we close our eyes if you have it in your heart if you feel this nudge in your spirit, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. And he's giving you an opportunity to say, yes, I need to receive it. Yes, I need to receive it. If you feel that gift needing to be received in your heart, if you feel that nudge, that gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit, would you just raise your hand? Would you just give a signal to the Holy Spirit to say, yes, I feel it? And yes, I want to receive it. Oh, thank you, Father. Okay, now, what are you doing with it? Those that have it, what are you doing with it? Are you maintaining it? Are you pressing in on a regular basis? Are you praying? Are you reading your word? God's word? Because if you have it, or if you think you have it, but if you're not maintaining it, it's weakening. It doesn't stay strong by itself. You have to be maintaining it. You have to be making it stronger because if it doesn't, it's going to be like a muscle that's going to atrophy and it's going to be useless for you. And not as it's going to be useless, it's going to be futile, it's going to be ineffective. And you know what? You're going to be just like in Romans, the, the, the lukewarm person that Jesus is going to spew out of his mouth because he does not like lukewarm. He would rather you be honest and be cold or hot. But lukewarm is bad. 
Nobody gets to heaven being lukewarm. And I don't mean this to say you've got to be fanatical. I'm not talking about this about you've got to be weird. I'm just talking about you have to accept the gift and you have to receive it and then you have to live a life appropriately for it. It's not hard. It's not hard. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the gift that you gave to us. Lord, I thank you for the, for the, the Christmas story. I thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you had, that you gave. And Lord Jesus, I am looking forward to the day when I see you face to face. And when I can see you and I can see the nail scars in your hands and I see the nail scars on your feet and I see the whip marks on your back. And Lord, I will know that you have sacrificed and yet you will know that you have sacrificed for me and I've received it and I haven't wasted it. Lord, I pray for each one of us in this building today. Lord, I know we all have separate battles, we have separate struggles, and I pray that this message would, be, would grow and the seed would be planted. And that, Lord, as we, as we move throughout this day today and through this week and the weeks to come, that if this message comes back, Lord, I come back, then it brings a harvest, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray now as we go throughout this day today that your blessing would be upon us. And, Lord, that your word would go and bring back a great harvest. I pray these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.